0: All right, we live, we live. Fitnesship Podcast, this is episode 13, I believe. Um, we got the great Laura Phelps coming on any minute now, just waiting on Laura, and we will get this thing going. Let me see where she's at. She just joined, so let me get her in, and we're going to get right to it. Go live are we in are we in are we in hey
1: hey how are you
0: good how you doing good sorry you're sick still
1: no i mean i was sick like a month ago and then um i got like laryngitis from it and it went away and then it came back yesterday so i think oh. it's from the seminar over the weekend i don't know but I'm, yeah. it's over
0: it well as long as you feel all right then we're good to go
1: yeah
0: so how you been good good yeah i'm lovely i'm lovely you're killing me but i'm lovely
1: all right
0: you ready to get going yep yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start you just like i started amber all right 165 weight class number one all time for 11 years running number two all-time 181 and number four all-time 148 and 198 does that make you the best i I listen to her
1: podcast i'm and her her answer is exactly what i'd be like i mean like i don't i wouldn't want to say yes like i mean it depends on what your standard is for the best you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. if you take like all the the formula and everything like that, like, I don't know, I, I, I really don't really check it all the time. But um, yeah. I mean, I think it is still number one, like by formula. I don't know how open powerlifting does it now. But yeah. it's still number one by formula. But I mean, what people are doing now is, is so crazy. And like, my records, especially in the last like, like few years, especially the last couple of years have just been like dropping off. I had like, nine for a long time. Yeah. Um, I haven't competed in 10 years, so I had nine records um, for a long time, and then all of a sudden in the last few years, just because, you know, we've got so many women in the sport and, you know, training has come so far. Yeah. Um, you know, things are just starting to drop off. So, I mean, I I can't really say yes to that. I don't know.
0: I, I, knew, I knew you wouldn't say yes, but we all think you are. We all think you are. And everyone that's commenting yes, 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 across the bottom. Because <laughs> um, we're just talking about, I mean – to hold a record, like you said, like the sport is getting so crazy right now that everyone's picking up and records are being shattered almost, you know, a couple times in a year, the same record's being broken and broken. Some people are breaking their own record three times in a meet. Right, right. To to hold on to one for nine years and then another one you still have for 11 years. I mean, you set a big, a big, big standard at a time where, you know, women weren't doing it like that yet. You know right. what I mean? Um, that was kind of the goal was like, because when I was competing,
1: um, especially early on, there weren't a lot of women in powerlifting, yeah. you know, so I was just like, always competing against myself. And so I was like, you know, I had to make goals for myself if I wasn't going to be actually competing against another woman in a um, competition, then I was like, I have to make goals for myself. And that was to try to set the stand, set it so high, you know, that it would take that I could hold it for a long time, yeah. you know, they're going to be broken at some point. Of course. What it is it's the evolution of the sport. Um, and I love seeing them broken, but I was like, I it'd be cool if I could hold on to them for a little a little while. Yeah,
0: yeah of course. Now I that brings me into where I wanted to talk about. Um, you said it's cool watching them getting broken. Um, do you have specific people that you would like to see break certain records?
1: Um, well, you know, of course I would love to see my own like people that I coach break my records. Like yeah. and that's um, at least a couple times now, um, you know, the 11 time body weight, total record, um, Heidi Howard broke that when I was coaching her. Yeah. And, and then like last year, I think, yeah, last year at the WPO, um, I was there coaching Dina and she, I, we didn't even know it until the next morning. I was like, Dina, you broke my total record and <laughs> <laughs> win the meet, you know, yeah. um, Setting it up for that, and like I literally didn't even think about the fact that like her total beat my record, you know. So that was super cool. Again, to have um, someone that I was coaching to break my record, and and I think she too can break my best record, like you know. So as far as people specifically, of course, I would love to see people that I coach do that, Um, and you know. But really, I mean, anybody. I love I love seeing it happen, you know. Allison Hinn, she broke my bench record. And I mean, I, and you know, so I was super stoked to see her do that. Like, you know, because she really has earned it. She has trained and worked so hard for that. So that was cool to see, too.
0: Yeah. I watched her in Jersey. I went out to handle someone at a meet and she broke a, a raw bench record. She's insane. Gotta know raw. But she benched like 360 or something.
1: Right. Right.
0: I've never seen anything like that. You know, she was out benching most of the guys there. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, we talk about you know the giving back to the sport. You know how how you want to see your records eventually getting broken and stuff. Is there um, you know, certain things that that you um accomplished that you never expected that you would hit? Like like I know I know you um you said you were trying to set a standard, right? But like, are there certain things that you accomplished or certain things that like you didn't realize what you were doing until? later on down the road like like right now we're looking at 165 number one all time 11 years running did you think when that happened that it would be 11 years running like no
1: no definitely um did not think that it would last that long you know because um sort of at the end towards the end of my career that i mean women's powerlifting was growing you know crossfit came along um a lot more women started getting into powerlifting and it was growing and. There were a lot of really strong women even back then. So I was like, you know, it's like this, you know, when I retire, I'm sure it's going to be broken pretty quick. Um, So it's pretty cool that that's held up for so long. Um, I think one that I did not think would happen was like holding the four all time records in the bench press um, and four four different weight classes at the same time. I never thought because bench was not my good lift. (laughs) Squat came up really fast deadlift was, I mean, it never, I mean, it, it was in the beginning, it was pretty good. Um, but bench press was definitely my lowest lift. So I was really, you know, that's the one thing that I was really surprised happened was um, the all time records in the bench press.
0: Yeah. So I, I, it's funny you said that. Cause I watched a podcast recently. I don't know if it was your most recent West side one, but um, you said how you wish you did a little more deadlift wise. Cause you felt like by the end of the meets, you never really got to show What you were capable of in the deadlift, because maybe your GPP wasn't there at the time, and you did say that's one thing that you would change if you could have went back, is taking that conditioning more serious. Yeah, Um, definitely. Were you a much? Were you a far better gym deadlifter?
1: Yeah, I mean, I my my gym deadlifts were great. Like, you know, so I think part of it was GPP, but part of it too was um, like how like just years and years of arching really high you know, was where it was taking its toll on my back. So I would get to deadlift and my spinal rectors were fried from being in this enormous arch with my feet tucked back, like by my ears and then like straining, like straining under 500 plus pounds, you know, so when I would get up, I would have to like just kind of crawl off of the bench, um, you know, and I think over time, like I can tell that when my bench went up like this, then my deadlift, you know, just started going down this way. You know, I think part of it was that. but conditioning for sure.
0: <laughs> do you find that there, there, you know, could be a way that we can change how multiply lifters lift in order to get like kind of how raw is evolving to where guys are doing like SBD days or like a squat bench day. And then a bench deadlift day multiply. I mean, it takes a lot more out of you and it takes a lot more time, but do you think things are might evolve in that same direction where people focus on, multiple lifts in a day or in a um, instead of breaking it out day by day to where they could be more efficient on the platform or do you think that's just too much work capacity and pressure and all that
1: yeah i think that that with the overload with the gear and like you know most of the time multiply lifters are you know typically using some sort of or overload accommodating resistance i think it like kind of heavy twice in a in a session would be a lot you know, we already a lot of times do squat and deadlift in a session, yeah, maximally. But I don't think I would ever really coach someone to have them do um, like a squat and a bench in a session or yeah. a bench. You know, I would probably keep it keep it separate and really focus on that particular lift or that particular you know body part, like upper body or lower body.
0: Yeah. So, so where just... do you, where do you think it, it's heading right now as far as um? Let's just start with just multiply in general. Like, what what do you see where it's heading? What are the things you like where it's heading? What are the things that you're kind of like, uh, that you dislike?
1: Um, I mean, I like where it's heading and the fact that there's just so many people getting involved. You know, there's more people getting into it. Um, You know, I'd like to see more people, more raw lifters, you know, at least ex- try gear, you know, um, just for the longevity of the sport, you know, and just for, you know, an understanding of it. Um, you know, I think that, like you know we have a gym that's i you know probably fifty well actually more equipped than raw, and a lot of the raw lifters end up getting into gear just because they're around it, and yeah. they're by it, they see it, and they have the knowledge around them to do it um, and I think that most of them are always so surprised at how much they like it, you know, I think that um. You know most people i think a lot of raw lifters would like to try it. they just don't maybe they don't have the knowledge you know anybody around them to show them how to do it
0: yeah
1: um, but I, you know i you know i come from a time when multiply was everything like everybody lifted multiply you know there, there were like in a competition there would be only a handful of people lifting raw yeah so you know everybody like when i got into power I, I had a solid base from bodybuilding but i um immediately got into multiply I never like did raw first and then you know got into single ply and then multiply went right into into equipped you know um you know i just kind of have always have like a special place in my heart for for equipped lifting and so i feel kind of like a sense of duty to try to keep it alive and keep it going and keep some integrity with it too so that you know you know the raw lifters don't like hate on it so much and why would i ever try that because it's a joke you know yeah
0: I was one of them at the beginning. And then I started at Hellbent, which was primarily geared lifters.
1: Right.
0: And then, you know, I got an understanding of it and started helping handle people. And then I recently, as you know, tried some of the stuff out, like the shirt and the briefs. Um, And it taught me a lot. And it definitely opened my eyes and gave me like a newfound respect for it because it is far more technical. Yeah. I think of of a sport. Throw it on and like, you know,
1: and be able to like squat. 300 pounds more like you know possibly eventually but it's so technical like you said
0: yeah now um you just said something that i would oh so you said you built a, a, a strong base from bodybuilding one of the questions i was going to ask later on was um you know what do you recommend like is there like a, a baseline like base for people that you're looking for before you put them in gear like what how do you how do you decipher like all right this person's ready for gear this person needs six months of raw lifting like how do you how do you decipher that
1: yeah it's hard like it's it depends on the person there's no specific set timeline um you know I wouldn't you know immediately throw them into it but like there's certain people that are more athletic they pick you know they um, pick up training really well they you know but some people lack stability you know they they have all these deficiencies that you know as a coach you kind of there's just something that you can see when they get to that point, you know, that they're ready. Um, But, you know, so there's not specific time. It's just more about like seeing that specific athlete and seeing if, um, if they're progressing, if they're handling weights that, you know, I wouldn't put somebody into a bench shirt if their max bench is 85, you know, Yeah, exactly. Like I said, there's not a specific number, but you really got to be able to handle overloads and be able to like push heavy dumbbells, you know, even the the accessory work has to be pretty strong um, as well.
0: Yeah. So that's something I was thinking about because I'm just now starting to coach just a couple people, like get my feet wet with like multiply people, but very like starter level. But a couple people that have reached out to me about it since it is more popular now, haven't had any experience with heavy lifting. And oh, wow. I'm like, well, we really can't like they're like, Perfect. Well, what should I order for a suit? And I'm like, You haven't even squatted a plate wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, yeah. Re- we really need to work you up to this position. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's dangerous. You and know. like you like you said, people think they could just throw this stuff on and it's like, Oh, I'm gonna squat five hundred pounds because I have this suit on. Right. Now they okay. need to work,
1: you know, ab strength or low back strength, you know, different things that stabilize that that amount of overload, you know, before mm-hmm. you do it.
0: Alright, so I wanna talk about West Side for a minute. And I know you've been flooded with West Side stuff ever since the passing of Louie and all that. Um but like just give us a brief rundown of exactly what it was like training like with Louis and like all those old school animals back in the day. Um, um,
1: I think well, I think when I was there I was at a time when after the old school animals were there. There's some of them still there, but like I definitely like most people kinda of think of oh, you know, when they when they see the documentary, they think of you know Matt Dillmon and you know Chuck and all those guys. You know everybody. You know that that's what's what you picture. You know, yeah, so
0: yeah. you were after that.
1: What's the craziest story? And I'm like, I don't really have any crazy stories. I mean, um, you know, my time there was really good. Like, I had really great experiences with Louie. We would never gotten or anything like that. You know, um, I didn't train in that morning crew with, you know, with the big guys, you know, which that's probably where you would see most of the intensity happen, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Like on Sunday mornings, I would train at, you know, 7 a.m. before everybody came in with George Halbert and his crew. You Mm -hmm. know, George was, I mean, he was incredibly smart and incredibly strong um, and a great coach, too. So our sessions, you know, for bench press were more about just, like, learning and trying new things and um you know training hard it wasn't it was kind of a little bit different you know so my experiences were really good so when people are always like what you know want to have some crazy stories I'm like that's that was before my time (laughs)
0: yeah well I've heard too I've heard multiple people say that you were like you know not in a disrespectful way but you were like the golden child like his daughter so like he he would get rough on the edges with with some of the guys, and then it was like, "Oh, Laura, leave Laura alone, leave Laura alone."
1: Yeah, he has a soft spot for women in general, you yeah. know. Yeah, he definitely like is like a different person, like the way he handles men and the way he handles women in general. So, I mean, um, I mean, we always just had a good relationship because I don't, um, I don't know. I just trained hard and tried to be respectful, and you know. Yeah.
0: So when like when you were coming up, you said something like there there wasn't many women or as many women going to like these big events. Um, was it different uh, compared to now with like the way you were treated? Um, like, was there a lesser level of respect sometimes?
1: Um, I like that's another thing, too, is that like I I was only met with like ama- amazing respect like by people like even men, they were just like mind blown, you yeah. know, out of nowhere, and um, you know, broke my broke my first all time squat record, and every guy, you know, there because it was most men were, were literally like just mind blown, like because these were like, at the time they were like men weights, you know, and men. Yeah. Remember George Halbert telling me that because he, the you know, was, was there at the WPO when I broke my first world record, and, and he, like he didn't know who I was, but he was just like. I just, he said, he was like, I just couldn't believe the size jumps you were taking. And, and really more so than anything at that time, I just didn't really know any better. You yeah. know, the jumps that I took were, were insane. It went from like 617 to 661 to 683, the 617 to 661 after, you know, my first time being on a big platform um, with the previous world record being 611 was just nuts, you know, most be. Yeah like open up before, you know lower than the world record you know then take the world record maybe on your second attempt so you have a couple of tries at it I just yeah. like out there and opened up with six
0: seventeen. the world record <laughs> no
1: I, I would never let anybody do that now
0: no, I know I know
1: right
0: but well, it's crazy I mean you le- you you made it out that time but I'm sure you had meets where you learned from all those kind of mistakes too oh, you
1: know I mean? sure definitely I had you know people like really remember like they hear those um, statistics and you know, maybe hear stories of really great meets that I had, but I, I still tell people now that I coach, you know, when they get upset about having a bad meet or something like that, I'm like, I had more bomb outs than I can even count on my two hands. I, I've lost track of how many times I bombed out.
0: Over- I like to hear that.
1: <laughs> no, no, I mean, I hate to say, I'm not trying to like justify it or like,
0: no, 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 I get it. I'm just saying like, when like- I bombed, I was like, for oh. a split second, I was like, this isn't for me anymore. You I know.
1: know. Most people are like, I'm done. You know, this is the end of the world. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, that's that's the test of this sport is being able to to have meets like that or have some adversity and and stick it out. Like, I never once was like, oh, like, after Obama, I never once was like, um, you know, I need to quit or I need to change everything. You know, I just went back and started training again.
0: Started training harder. That's it. Yeah. Right so you know after paving the way let's say for you know as big as the sport has gotten especially women and multiply how cool is it for someone like you to see what like allison leah those girls are doing with like the main event project amber um is it tara did i there's four of them oh
1: yeah
0: right Uh, Right. so how cool is that to see that's that's
1: very cool because like um coming up i i never really thought about that i never really thought about the fact that most meets I did, um, there were you know, mo- if I won money, it was because Louie <laughs> gave the money to the meet and said, like, g- give money to women too. But um, otherwise, like if I did a meet, like there, the guys would money, but not the women. Um, yeah. You know, and I never once was like, that's not fair, you know, like, um, just because that's just the time that it was. So it's really cool now to see that, um, that we do have, you know, the support and, the knowledge and the amount of women to be able to say, like, there's no reason why we shouldn't get the same amount or, you know, same, same recognition, because there's, you know, just as many, if not more women in the sport and they're doing things that are, you know, that are unbelievable, you know, they're really feeling the show. So, um, so it's, I love, I love to see it.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. So I wanted to talk, um, during your, during your time powerlifting, did you deal with any, um, mental health stuff um depression anxiety stuff like that or were you kind of more even-keeled you seem kind of even-keeled
1: I know I definitely am like I'm thinking back like I was pretty even-keeled like if things were going on in like in my personal life caused that then yeah but like as far as like lifting goes um no I definitely um lifting what really happened to me you know it's what I lived for like maybe to really because like um my whole life revolved around it like I you know, would, you know, not go to certain things or travel, you know, do travel or do things like that for fun, because it was just like, I got to train, I got to do this. And, you know, so I kind of like, kind of preach that to people now too, is to have some balance, because I completely believe that you can, you know, live your life and, you know, and still do this. this, this sport takes up a couple hours of your day a few times a week, you know what I mean? Um, granted, like, you'll need to eat, you know, the way you should for, for your training, sleep and do all these things, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, there were times that I didn't come down and see my family as much as I should or, or things like that, because it just everything revolved around it. Um, but that's just what, you know, I was kind of at a time in my life where, you know, I really wasn't happy. Otherwise, you know what I mean? So this is what kept me really happy and focused, you know? Yeah.
0: So I mean, to be at that level, though, do you think you could have dialed back your intensity for the sport and still have gotten to the level that you got to, or do you think it was necessary?
1: Um, I think you can still like, as, like be completely just as intense. Like as the intensity happens, like during the training session, it's only, mm. you know, a small percentage of the hours of your whole week, you know,
0: mm. um, you know,
1: intensity still could mean outside of the gym means like being disciplined in your nutrition and your hydration and your sleep and stuff like that, but not so much that you can't like, Go to the movies, or you know, I remember yeah. down going canoeing with friends because I was like, I have max upper tomorrow. I can't like row my arms, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like
0: really
1: crazy. That 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 goes along with GPP though, you know, like being able to do other things and stay conditioned and um and still maintain your strength and actually have it make you stronger.
0: Well, yeah, I've talked to a, a friend of mine recently. Actually, brought something like that up, and she said, "Hey, like I got a big max effort squat coming." um you know I was supposed to go hiking the day before what do you think I should do and I'm like well in the ideal world you should be in good enough shape to you know go through the hike and still be good for tomorrow but at the same time if you took the day off to get to prepare for the max effort squat and then you go hike and you feel sore the next day you're going to kill me so I didn't really know I know exactly there's it's, a, it's,
1: like it's,
0: cuz you're always going
1: to be to to blame as the coach almost, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a way. So it's like um, you know, maybe the hike doesn't need to be the day before. It could be, I mean, honestly, it could be the same day in the afternoon, you know, like
0: Well, that's um, what that's what I ended up telling her. Yeah. I said tell your boyfriend you're going to relax today. Yeah. After squats tomorrow, go for a hike. Right. You'll be good to go, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um So now you're just – you coach full-time, correct? That's all you do?
1: Yeah, I do personal training. So, like, um, that's, like, my day job is, like, personal training. Like, so I train regular people. Like, people that, um, you know – Body
0: composition, weight loss, stuff like that.
1: But most of them actually – I think that, like, just – I don't know – by the energy that I put out there, like I end up getting people that even though they're not people that want to power lift, they are people that want to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um so I still train them like, you know, not like a power lifter, but they still, you know, we still train heavy and focus on on strength training. Um,
0: you know, so that's it's, what w- it's weird. Not to cut you off, but it's weird how that works because I notice as I've progressed into more powerlifting on my own, my clients even like my yeah. personal training clients at my own spot, they they all all of a sudden want to lift heavier and they don't care as much about having the abs as they do as being strong and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so I think, they kind of follow suit.
1: Right. People are starting to learn that like being strong, like strength is better for longevity, like for their life in general, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, people are taking it more seriously that like it'd be, it's cool to look great and have abs and whatever, but like to actually have like maximal strength will, you know, take you longer in life and, general you know
0: for sure yeah for sure so what right now what's your favorite style of of coaching right now are you more on the crossfit end or are you do you mix them all together are you like power building what's what's like your favorite right now if you had to write your ideal program who, who would it be for for myself or for someone else um yeah i guess for yourself like what you enjoy doing the most like how would you style your program
1: um, Like a power building, because I still lift and I still do, I still do max upper, like it's kind of what I can do, because, you know, I, you know, I still, I, you know, I do like bodybuilding exercises, you know, with max upper, or more, I'll do a lot of dynamic lower, not so much like really max lower anymore, Um, and then mixed with like conditioning. I do a ton of.
0: Yeah, I see you <laughs> always <doing> Air
1: <that. laughs> running and cross, I took a CrossFit class this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a little bit of everything and i think that that's what crossfit is what showed me really after i was done powerlifting because i started doing crossfit classes more and i was like i'm you know even though i'm done powerlifting you know i'm maintaining my strength um and i feel better doing it you know what i mean like yeah, i'm yeah. not like gassed and i feel totally fine i have energy to do other things um so that kind of opened my eyes to to that you know
0: yeah, well, that I, I think I heard you say, it, or maybe you said that Louis mentioned it, like CrossFit is like, you know, the ultimate like sport of GPP, yeah. you know what I mean? To whereas, you know, you're getting your cardio in, but not in a point where it's it's wrecking your, your joints or um, deteriorating your, your muscle and your strength, you know, you're doing short bouts, intense, intense bouts and it's far more athletic than it is just like a marathon runner or, you know, stuff right. like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the time you go into class and you don't even know what you're going to do, maybe the night before you find out, but they just kind of train to be able to do everything. Like, you know, that's why there's all these different modalities, gymnastics work that they do and, um, you know, endurance, you know, I mean, it's it's crazy, all the other things that they work on just to be ready to maybe do a competition where, you know, they throw, I mean, every crazy thing that possible at them.
0: Well, I, you know what I find funny is <clears throat> CrossFit blew up so big that I think it got a bad name just because of how oversaturated it became for a little while. Right. But if you look at, like, the CrossFit games, it's always kind of the same gyms represented. Oh, almost, yeah. Almost as if we went down to the WPO. It's the same. They're pushing people out of the same gyms, same areas. Right. Constant. So – I think, you know, my main gripe with CrossFit at first, before I educated myself on it more, was that I felt they sacrificed form for time or form for speed. Right. But then I realized that's just at these random CrossFit warehouses just down the street where it's just any guy's jumping in after after like a weekend conference, and now he just wants to train everyone. Yeah, yeah. With no rhyme or reason. But then you go to these top places – and you're talking about like supreme athletes, you know what I mean?
1: Where they'll do like a crazy amount of like a, like a workout that's like major conditioning, and then at the end they max out like a lift, and yeah. it looks and they and they PR like it's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. After 30 minutes of rowing yeah. and right, you know, pipping and all that. So, um, as far as the career goes, had this never kicked off, where would you see yourself? where did you think you were heading career wise
1: god i don't know was this
0: like your own was this your plan a b c
1: literally like i literally i was just talking about this to someone recently because i'm like what i do now with like not just personal training but with like online coaching and seminars and stuff is not at all what i you know i was powerlifting. i wasn't like i'm gonna make a career out of what i'm doing i never thought that like everything happened to me and where I'm at now happened completely organically as you know almost like almost like it was like somebody literally people telling me like this is what you're gonna do like this is what you have to do um you know because I if it was up to me I probably would have been too I don't know what the word is you know not shy but I just wouldn't have had the confidence um you know to do it you know because you know so it was just almost like it was you know definitely my calling yeah. um, when i was competing like there wasn't there weren't remote coaches um Mm -hmm. just had training partners literally like even louie would say he's not a coach like he developed a system he's there he's helping people but he's not saying like this is your program what you're going to do this is such a new thing and um started helping louie teach the crossfit powerlifting course so that's where i learned you know i'd already been training west side but like teaching those courses with him and hearing him speak you know, month after month for two straight days, I learned so much about the training system. So, you know, still wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do some seminars on my own, you know, it was just like learning from him. And then in 2013, I remember a um, a guy that I knew was starting a website for um, online train online training, it was so new, like the where you could subscribe to a program. And he tells me this plan about I'm starting this website and you can put workouts on there. People can subscribe. And I was like, I, I resisted so hard. I literally was like,
0: really?
1: I was like, I'm, you know, that just doesn't sound like something that I want to do or whatever. And he literally almost made me do it. Um, and so I, that's how I got started. I literally got started doing it like that. And that, that ended up branching off into people wanting individual coaching, you know, so that was in 2013 and um you know so i was like well i guess this is what i do now so um, i was already personal training and i really back then i had way more personal training clients that's what i guess i I really think that that's what i thought um the rest of my career would be like was just like a lot of personal training like you know till i was till i was retired you know just personal um but then once i started doing more of the remote coaching which developed more over time i mean when i when that website that had the subscription, I had, I mean, I had way more people subscribing back then than I do even now because were not that many people doing it. So it was just like, I mean, the money was insane. Yeah. Uh, now there's so many people that do it. It's, you know, you're really hustling harder to, to, um, to, you know, keep, keep clients and, and whatnot. It, I mean, it's really, it's really tough. Like, it's really tough. Like, um, you know, and then the seminar stuff like that I do now the the smaller seminars after the CrossFit powerlifting course was just something I kind of branched off and started doing because <clears> I'm <throat> focused on technique. I mean, I kind of like with my, with my own powerlifting career, I, you know, I say this a lot to people, but like there were, you know, the difference between me and like the next, you know, few people, you know, as far as pure strength level goes, I'm sure it wasn't that different, yeah. but I had a solid understanding of technique and. Um, I, you know, is a perfect storm growing up doing gymnastics, having that body awareness um, really just helped me with, with, you know, with especially multiply powerlifting, the wide stance and the sumo deadlift, yeah. it all total sense to me. And it it just like, you know, it just came really natural to me. So that became my passion was to have these clinics where I would um, teach technique to people because I feel like I have a good understanding of it and relaying it to people. So mm-hmm. So basically, like that's a long answer to your question, but like I um, definitely didn't see myself doing all of this, but it's just stuff that just kind of organically keeps
0: coming from, you know, one thing to the next. For sure. For sure. I kind of had like the same kind of start. You know, I I started just working a nine to five job and got myself back in shape and people started, hey, how'd you do that? And I started just randomly helping people until people were like, this is what you need to do. Like, Why aren't you charging for this why aren't you and then you know then you just start you know the ball starts rolling then it was like the nasm stuff then it was personal training then skiba harassed me for like two years to try powerlifting. and at the time all i thought was like these big belly like the ones you saw on tv like world right. strong man right. and i and i'm like all right these just the first time i went to hellbent was probably i i started there two years ago but I went there for the first time like five years ago and I was super into like being in shape and super fit. And um, a kid came in with bags, handing out cheeseburgers. And I was just like, "What? what is this? Like this This isn't for me, you know what I mean? Like I was so thrown off by it and right. I had just a complete different image that I was just wasn't sure about it. And then I left that day and I was like, that's just not for me, you know what I mean? And then yeah. he, he harassed me for years until I got back in there because he saw that I was a good athlete and had potential you know right then but then that started with you know my name got out there a little with powerlifting, then the online coaching and then things just kind of like they almost happened out of nowhere like I didn't even set up for any of this it just kind of
1: oh yeah
0: like you said it just organically happens
1: yeah
0: but um you you mentioned you know there's millions of online coaches now you know that's another thing that is is oversaturated it's so easy with technology now to in in, with every industry it's not even just to shit on what we do but you know let's take music for example you know you can download pro tools and buy a 30 dollar mic on amazon and you can put out a a rap record that sounds that sounds like a record you hear on the radio yeah so like it's so easy now to do things to podcast to all this stuff so with it being with with coaching being oversaturated what would you recommend, like, what would you tell people that are looking for a coach? Like, what do they need to look for? Um,
1: I would say definitely someone who's had their own experience for, you know, a, a, I don't know what the, there's no specific set amount of time, but they should have, you know, a decent amount of competition experience. I'm not saying that every great coach has to have, you know, been a great lifter, but they should, I believe that they should have. It. like i mean they should definitely train and be able to feel what it feels like because i know some coaches that have never competed who are right. trying to people like what it should feel like to pick up weight and you know i'm like you haven't even done it you know yeah. um you know so definitely the
0: experience of the the intensity and emotion behind the meet, you, right. you can't you can't mimic that if you've never done it you yeah you-
1: yeah definitely so definitely like experience with the you know the training system that they're you know providing and or you know pushing or whatever and um competition experience and you know experience coaching other people now i mean they've got to start somewhere you know but usually you kind of start with people that that i uh, i mean back when i think back to like when i got started and i'm like what, like how did i start who did i coach and it was just like i coached my own training partners that's how i got out of powerlifting how i stopped um, competing was that my training group started to grow and i started finding myself coaching them, you know, being more invested in their training. So, you know, I just was like, I never said I'm going to hire. I just literally was just like, I am at the point now where I, these people that I'm helping, um, I care more about what they're doing. I, I can't even get my mind into that competition mode right now. I'm more invested in what they're doing. And so that just kind of organically into. Um, you know but for someone wanting to get into it you just have to find people that you know find training partners that um, will let you kind of experiment with them you know like it, it kind of grows from training with other people like I think it's just kind of hard if someone's just like training by themselves in a garage and then being like I'm going to start coaching people you know what yeah. I mean like, you gotta work with someone I think in person like for a yeah. while you know coach people in person and um, be able to like look at a person and like um, fix our technique and stuff like that before you can do it remotely. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if someone's looking for a coach, you know, just kind of look for the, you know, that, te- you know, the, those types of things on their resume. Um, and then also, you know, who, who, like, if they've already been through that, like, who have they coached? Like, it doesn't mean that it has to be someone who's a world record holder or, you know, the top in the world, but like, who have they coached? And, you know, what kind of progress have they made? pretty easy to, to kind of do your own um, investigating nowadays with social, yeah. Yeah.
0: you know,
1: at their profile and seeing like you know um who they who they coach and what they've done and um if they've you know continually made progress everybody's gonna have you know their ups and downs or whatever but um but yeah that's kind of what i would look for
0: gotcha gotcha so we're gonna play a quick game you ready yep oh god (laughs) break a world record or a client breaking a world record what's better um
1: i i found more joy out of a client breaking a world record
0: Gotcha.
1: that that to me says, like, everything that I've done, everything that I've, you know, invested into this, like, you know, it's all showing through someone else. You know, I know I can do it. Like, you know, um, I have confidence in myself, but can I, like, make someone else do it? Like, that probably is more satisfying, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Canvas or poly? Someone else asked that. Canvas. Canvas. <laughs> Squat or deadlift? Squat. <laughs> Bench or Deadlift bench oh wow okay sure, um, timed lifts or interval sprints timed lifts like uh uh like like uh de squats like 90 second rest stuff like that or what's the other thing so basically interval lifting or interval inter- interval sprinting uh, that's interval- like how you do both
1: yeah yeah i know uh, but like i think the most beneficial thing is interval lifting. So like a dynamic effort where, cause you're getting, you're getting conditioning that way too, but um, you're also, you know, developing speed and explosive power. And um, you know, so it's like kind of the best of all worlds in that, in that DE stuff, dynamic. Yeah.
0: Multiply or raw. I don't know why I wrote that. I know the answer, but. I know
1: multiply for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Here's the best one. Here's what everyone's waiting for. The women's pro-am or the WPO.
1: The women,
0: the best so, meat there is.
1: No, but like, um, but i am for sure. Just, just based on like the, uh, just like what it does for women. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, that they have. Like I, I could care less. Care less if I get anything out of it, as far as like, whatever, like notoriety, nothing. I could care. Le- I could care less if I was just a silent person that you nobody. Mm-hmm. know like I love like just having it all happen and watching like the women have that experience and, um is incredible to me it's probably my my favorite accomplishment that i've ever done if you want to call it an accomplishment you know something that i've ever
0: no, i would had- say so i mean it's it's the biggest women's meet there is like all yeah. women's meet no one's no one even did stuff like that until that.
1: right and yeah. that like, too i mean it was just like uh, i guess you know su- you know it was suggested by you know someone else that a friend of mine out in California, she hosted one out there and it was like, why don't you have one out here? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it'll, you know, if, if we can have a women a meet, that is just women. Yeah. And the first we had in 2012, there was like 42 women. Um, and that's, you know, then, then it was just like, I get, this is what we do now. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Meet, so, <laughs> so you plan on keeping that going for the foreseeable future? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, I've, I've held a lot of other meets too, and I still hold, um, one other meet. Um, but I think that, um, I could see myself maybe in the future, like, just like weeding it down to only focusing on the pro Yeah. So,
0: yeah. cause I, I was asking because I saw you also said like, this might be my last year and then every year it gets bigger and you're like, I can't quit yet.
1: Yeah. i said, I say that every year cause I get so stressed out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so stressed out. And that's my own fault. Cause I don't ask for help. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm like, okay, this year I'm making a committee and I'm delegating some responsibilities. I have.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to. So that's next for you, right? Or it, no, you have North of the Border coming. Yeah, that's right. in like. So. Oh, okay. Are you stressing out over that, or is that easier for you?
1: I'm, I am, but I'm not because um, this is, I'm I am in the fact that like this is the first time I've had it somewhere else aside uh, away from con- Conjugate, yep. um, so I'm having it at a different gym. But the guy. Um, who owns this Jim River City Barbell he's been incredible Um, you know we've been talking about like you know how we're going to do this like he's been so accommodating they have all the equipment there we just have to kind of move it around and um, you know so I'm actually excited about it it's actually going to be in a way a little bit easier because I don't have to move all the equipment from like across the parking lot all the way over you know everything's kind of in the building you know so I'm I'm excited about it but I always get stressed out before meets and I just do that to myself
0: (laughs) (laughs) so I was going to talk about um you know the heavy hitters at at the pro-am but it's so far out that we don't know exactly what we're going to see or who we're going to see yet so who are you looking forward to really seeing at north of the border
1: um north of the border um like of course I'm biased but I'm really looking forward to see Taylor Reuter Mm -hmm. um because this is her first time in gear. You know, that's exciting for me because obviously I talk about wanting to recruit more raw lifters to multiply, and she has just picked it up so well.
0: Oh, I know. She looks great.
1: Oh, I know. And I try to remind her, I'm like, Taylor, I, in my first multiply meet, I squatted 551 and I benched 303 and I pulled 440. I'm like, you're going to literally blow those numbers out of the water. And you're like, right. it's crazy. I'm like, you have so much potential. Um, you know, She's
0: been what? What has this been? I mean, I'm bad with time, but I followed her. I've been following her. It's been what six months, maybe, in gear.
1: Yeah, maybe. Is yeah.
0: That you know, she's, I was going to say four months, maybe.
1: Right. She's really been in her squat suit, full gear, like, I mean, I don't know, five times or something. Like, <laughs> like it's crazy how how little in she's been in it and how well she's doing. And a part of that, like, and I talk about like how you have to like remind people that everything is okay you know like if you have if everything isn't like technically perfect in every session everything's going to be okay yeah. you know that's just how lifters are nowadays everybody's mm-hmm. you know in their heads so much you know mm-hmm. so i'm like i tried to remind her i'm like you are so far ahead of the game oh I know. enjoy the process you know
0: yep. um so where i lost my place here oh so you're keeping up with the pro am we're doing that Uh, let's see where was I oh okay so last week I was supposed to have Andrew House on but he had to cancel but one of the big questions that was asked and it it was asked for like five or six different people asked it of him but it also can fall to you what works for you as well as like what's the best advice you could give for couples in powerlifting just don't
1: coach each other (laughs) like yeah definitely i mean I've seen great couples like really great couples um that just like i i don't know it's just like it when they start to train or you know it's you know typically it's like the guy trying to coach the the girl and it just it's fine at first and then it just like they start to argue and like you know you don't i don't know it just um I would just say try to keep it separate you know yeah, like that yeah, yeah. he and his girlfriend or wife, or whatever they train together, and I think he coaches her yeah. um, definitely seen it work for people for sure, but you know I'd say more t- more often than not, you know I, I just see it like it's never really a good thing
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um right now you were talking about the state of multiply and how it's growing and 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 where it's heading. Is there anything that's changed in multiply um and the negative aspect, like, have you seen anything that you're like, I, w- I wish it was more like it was before it like is social media one of those things?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, <clears throat> uh, we never, you know, granted there wasn't like Instagram and Facebook and stuff yet. Um, there was YouTube. So we might like set up a camera. but We never really like, like looked at the video, posted it before we got to the next thing, you know, all these things that I'm just like, You know, I just, that's the biggest thing is social media, um, with multiply, but, you know, and this, this isn't necessarily something that's different than it was before, but, you know, just integrity and like have still, you know, if we want it to grow, we got to have like meet directors and judges that hold a standard, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not someone literally like saying, um, you know, that like people need to like bury the squats in multiply. Talking like literally just breaking
0: parallel well yeah the rules just have to stay more you know just similar the whole the whole way through it has to be more consistency throughout the sport
1: that's what's really going to help multiply lifting you know sometimes when i see meets out there you know you know not to dog anybody or any judging or anything like that but i'm just like i just am like this is not going to help this isn't going to help um you know no matter what you think about what that depth is, like pe- there's no way- chance that people are going to look at this and say, this looks like something I want to do. You know, yeah. so I just really think that that would be helpful if, you know, if, if more meets would, you know, just be more consistent with, with, mm. with the, we're only talking about the squat right here. Typically the the bench and the deadlift are all, you know, we've all got the same standards and for the yeah. most, you know, with, with some exceptions, you know, everything's pretty consistent. Yeah. It's what that's that's really turning people away and you know causing people to have no desire
0: to do it and and that's and that's why i think um where you lose a lot of these elite top level um raw lifters is is they look at that and and they're held they believe that they're held to a much higher standard and then you know some of them that are such like uh elitist and purist mentality they're like "I, i can never do that like you know so I think that's where you lose, like, people that are already in the sport but just on the raw side. I think that's where people see stuff and they're like, how does this count? What? That's bullshit. Like, right. why, am I, why am I squatting three inches below parallel when they could go three inches high? You know, stuff like that.
1: They also need to remember that you don't need to go. There's nothing that says that, I know, the-
0: that you have to go too low. Yeah.
1: Three inches below parallel. So maybe, like, everybody coming to an agreement about what parallel actually is and yeah. understanding if a raw lifter if you're watching a raw lifter from the front they're squatting narrow it just looks you know it looks like super deep but if you actually looked at it from the side it's, it's the same it's the same it's the same so understand you know i think they need an understanding of the ultra wide stance in the in the gear um you know in like everybody coming to like more of an understanding of what breaking parallel actually is you know mm-hmm.
0: well that's why i tell a lot of people now when they send me videos asking about depth don't send me a front angle because, right. because there's a reason that judges don't call from the front you know what i mean like the front judge should never call depth unless it's blatant blatant you know exactly uh, and that there's a reason why because from the front it could look especially in multiply with the gear super tight and then someone's quad coming way up high you know i've seen guys look from the front six inches high and then you look at a side and they're completely fine exactly you know I mean? why so. right. All right. So I want to go top three male lifters active and top three retired. My gosh. Your fa- your favorites, not like the uh, you know, stereotypical open powerlifting one, two, three. Your favorites. Oh my god. This this is where it's really bad
1: because I'm really bad about like powerlifting, especially men's powerlifting. Yeah. Um you know, you hear about like uh, so, okay, I'll start with like the in the past. Sean Frankel. Um like he was he like I I guess just because I was lifting with him back in the in the day and he just was so dominant mm-hmm. and consistent. Um and then um Dave Hoff. I mean he's just again, you know, that's current. Yeah, I could, mm-hmm. that would go as Dave Hoff. Um so back to past. Um Donnie Thompson was always one of my favorites because he was just, even back then he was lifting huge numbers, obviously the 3000 pound total, but he also was like already like so knowledgeable and passing along knowledge, you know, which was really rare. You know, it was hard to get knowledge out there because there wasn't like a lot of social media. So it was really hard to like, Mm -hmm. to, to get things out there. So Donnie Thompson and um, probably also is George Halbert. He was, you know, like my favorite bench press, and he was just inc- so knowledgeable about um, about training. He taught me literally. I always tell people, I'm like, what he taught me was just how to be strong. Like, you know how to, how to add like like reach that level intensity of intensity in training, you know, without like getting like crazy. Um, so those three, and then you know, as as far as current, Dave Hoff. Um, <laughs>
0: do you want to go to females and go back after
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) because i'm thinking of like raw lifters too even though i'm not like a in the raw realm you know i think of people hack who's like super impressive and um um, okay i need to think of a third one but yeah we'll talk
0: about females too all right so i want to do females active active and retired too top three
1: um retired becca swanson for sure like she literally was the person, the pioneer that paved the way for me um in every way? She's the person that did like the first everything, the first 700 pound squat, first 800 pound squat, blah blah blah. Like um, Becca Swanson, um, she was she actually she actually lifted in my very first meet. um So imagine like your very first meet, and you're watching this, you know she bench pressed 500 pounds for the first time at that meet, and I just was like. Totally mind blown, you know. So yeah, yeah. that kind of helped me like, you know, help my brain think like what was possible. You know, because I was bench pressing three hundred, but to watch someone do five hundred, it was like like that just opened my mind to possibilities.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So Becca Swanson, um Cara Bohegan. Just cause um she was she was also at that incredible. Like she was she was kind of like at the towards the end of her career when I was getting into it. Um, but she was an incredible bench presser. I learned a lot about bench press room her. we ended up training together. Um, and then Amy Weisberger, Amy Weisberger for sure. Cause again, she was another one that, um, like really, you know, paved the way for women at that time. And she wasn't someone that was like genetically gifted whatsoever. We're talking about a a, a girl off the streets that like, probably had very little genetic potential but just trains harder than anyone i know and still trains she still comes to the gym today um you know she comes to our gym three Mm -hmm. days and still trains her ass off like there's no like whatsoever like like her workouts look different than they did back then she's um god she's gotta be like almost 60 like upper 50s and um just trains super hard Capacity she can do you have to like tell her no you know yeah yeah, yeah. so those three are my top favorite in for the past all right and, hold
0: on one sec we, okay. i'm getting a thing that we only have a minute we have to uh- restart it real quick is that all right yep all right i'll be right back okay. all right we're back for part two right now let me just get laura in here Alright, alright, we're in. Let me just get Laura going and we'll be good to go. Where'd she go? Alright, here we go. Here we go. Alright, sorry about that. We're back. Alright, so is it is it too tough for me to ask you top three active because you train so many females?
1: Kind of. I mean, there's so many.
0: Let's let's do this instead. (laughs) Active females. You got to take one of their squats, one of their benches, one of their deadlifts and put together the best female power lifter.
1: Well, Leah in the squat. Of course. Yep. Um, I would say Dina in the bench. Mm -hmm. Because I really, I mean, the way her bench has been going, like, like I said, I think she can bench like mid fives right now. Um, yeah. You know, if it, you know, obviously the shirt is technical and everything has to go just right. But Dina in the bench and then deadlift. God, there's some good deadlifters, even raw. You know, I would say Crystal Kate in the deadlift.
0: Yeah. I was waiting for that. I was hoping you didn't miss her by accident.
1: No way! No way! I was like, oh shoot! Like, so yeah, she can, yeah. She can deadlift 700 pounds.
0: <laughs> for sure all right so we're almost there we're getting to the the interesting ones the instagram questions now no oh, way all right and these are all the first one i put first because it's just ridiculous but what's the most stressful thing about training me someone asked <laughs> a client of mine wants to know what's stressful about you training me oh
1: training you yes. um, just you getting out of your head you know and like uh not like questioning yourself you know what I mean like being like I need to do this or that you know you like you kind of get like frantic and be like I need to do all the things you know what yeah. I mean just focus on this one thing and do gotcha.
0: that <laughs> gotcha
1: but that's normal they're all I really like I said everybody's like that they're all everybody's like that nowadays.
0: oh I know for sure
1: I'm thinking so much I'm gonna chop <laughs> off
0: if you could change one thing in about in or about your powerlifting career what would it be <laughs>
1: Um, like I, there. I mean, there's a million things I could say. You know, I wish I would have stayed in it to bench, to bench 600 or uh, squat 800 or whatever. Um, you could say that all day, but I really think, like I've said before, is just being more conditioned. I really like. I don't know. I just I just look at myself back then, and I'm like, if I just would have like, I'm not saying I needed to be like like this fit athlete or whatever, but just more focus on GPP and um in my nutrition like i I ate like because i come from bodybuilding so i ate like all my protein and all the things i was supposed to eat i just ate a bunch of crap on top of it you know again it was a time where people just didn't really care as much um like nowadays people are way better about understanding like you know it you know you don't have to eat like an asshole
0: yeah yeah for sure um someone asked how do you implement more crossfit into a powerlifting program
1: um i would say like doing if, if someone wanted to do more crossfit they could you know whether they've been already doing it or have some level of conditioning if they have no level of conditioning just ease their way into it but if they are a decently conditioned athlete i would say adding in you know two to three workouts a week but then being mindful of the movements that they would be doing like i wouldn't have um you know Done a bunch of overhead squats, probably like, um, yeah. out like with if I was like competing in powerlifting and like, like really focusing on powerlifting, you know, it's it's a lot of shoulder, you know, there's a lot of just unnecessary wear and tear on the shoulders, you know, so just you know picking workouts that are a little bit mindful of the wear and tear on your body, um, but otherwise, you know, there's no reason why people couldn't do wall balls and, um, you know, I see Amber doing trying muscle ups and stuff yeah. and what that said on your podcast was that it's like yeah there's a level of risk with that with you know trying a muscle up or something like that but you know you you risk at, you know getting into your car and driving to work every single day you know so it's like um i like that that's what i really like about amber is that she's you know tries to maintain her athleticism you know so doing mm-hmm weird stuff like that, you know, is, is good. Like, it's good. And like, like I said, like there's, there is a level of risk, but I think it's
0: worth it. You know? I mean, what's weird. I'm just thinking about this now, as you're saying it, I never put it into perspective before, but you know, the people talk about the risk of those things as if we're not trying to squat a thousand pounds. You know what I mean? Like, why do people feel more comfortable? Is it just because they squat so often Like, there's a hell of a lot more risk to putting a thousand pound squat down than there is doing ten wall balls. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: It's it's weird what we consider risky. Like, I I guess like how you said on the West Side podcast, people get too specialized, Mm -hmm. and maybe anything out of that specialty becomes a risk. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's what they think.
1: For sure. So if you kind of condition yourself to doing. Other things like it, it does like, um, like, like build more of a level of athleticism that I think will pay off. And
0: yeah, I think it's funny too because I used to play basketball a ton, and in the last like year and a half, I stopped because I'm like, I can't mess up my training, like, I can't roll an ankle, roll my ankle, exactly. (laughs) You know, so it's tough, like, trying to find the balance. Like, I would love to get out there and get my extra cardio in and stuff, but then I'm like,
1: with with basketball, that's just climometrics
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, i know there you go um we talked about it earlier and you've talked about it a ton someone asked how to increase work capacity and that your best recommendation for that is just timing your rest periods correct
1: yeah definitely like <clears throat> um timing your entire workout really like you know i talk about this a lot in seminars is like if you're going into your like let's max workout um, with a plan so that you're only if you're working at at max of some sort of variation doing it all in like seven to nine total attempts going through your first pretty quick and then spacing out your last three just your last three you know five maybe ten you can actually get through that first part relatively quickly um, Mm -hmm. when leave plenty of time for accessories I think what people do is they spend so much time and um, mental focus on the main lift, they've got nothing left for exception. Yeah. Up doing like some leg curls, and then they leave. And that's how can you build a work capacity if that's all you do? Yeah. I think focusing on like, making sure that that first um, thing, whether it's a max effort variation or the dynamic effort, obviously, dynamic effort, keeping your rest periods really short, is going to help your conditioning, but it's also just going to leave a lot more time for the special exercises so that, um, you can build that work capacity.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, this next one's interesting. So this kid wrote, what is your opinion on athletes and multiply? But this is a young kid that comes to our gym from New York. He plays him and his friend play high school football and they're very high level. They're both D one recruits. Yeah. Um, I think what he means is he he catches him and his friend catch flack for the fact that they lift in gear when they play a competitive sport that involves such physicality. So I think people think they're not building their strength potential to the max because they're in gear rather than raw. So what do you what's your opinion on that?
1: Um like what gear are they wearing? Like like um I think that athletes sh- should wear at least like a um like not a crazy type, but like a moderate pair of briefs squat mm-hmm. in. Um, and then, you know, same thing for deadlift. They're doing sumo deadlifts, you know, it's just a form of overloading, but it's also going to protect their hip, you know, and save their hips um, mm-hmm. get massively stronger, especially from the overload, you know? So I think that, you know, wearing gear, especially in squat and deadlift is, is fine. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't have a lot of experience in the bench press with athletes wearing a bench shirt, you mm-hmm. know, definitely, you know, wearing a slingshot or something like that, as long as they have like the knowledge around them, you know, it's not like doubt that these kids are wearing a bench shirt every single training session, you know, it's probably wow. like, like you put it on sometimes, you know what I mean? Majority of your training is raw and majority of your special exercises are raw, obviously yeah. is yeah. what is strength, not, not your one rep max on a certain variation. Like that happens. Yeah. so That's just a tester. It's not a builder.
0: I think maybe the people around him are thinking that the gear is doing the work at that point and you're not still developing muscle and strength and endurance. You know what I mean? So.
1: All right Now they're going to build muscle strength and endurance in this special exercises that they would be doing without the gear.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, this is an interesting one that I get a lot. And then someone's asking you too, is um, you know, we always say as coaches, like for people to listen to their body more, but when How do you, like, usually explain uh, the difference between, like, pushing through a workout and pushing, like, needing to rest?
1: Um, I think, like, you can kind of see that in – there's certain things, like, are you know, how are you sleeping? Um, You know, if you're starting to sleep like crap and um, losing your – Yeah, like, you know, if you're – if you're losing sleep, if you're losing your appetite, if um, certain movements, even your accessories, are starting to go backwards, you know those are just signs that you need a break. Like I don't like in that I don't think that anybody like if your training is set up properly, like you shouldn't really need a deload. Um, but that's those are t- they're that's in a perfect world, you know that's saying that's that's assuming that you eat perfectly and get all your calories and um, don't eat any processed crap and you drink you know plenty of water you know enough for your body size every day you sleep eight to ten hours a day which probably for most people isn't happening you know so therefore like all the things that help you to recover you know it's like it's most likely not happening um so so those environmental factors are what can cause you to need that rest Mm -hmm. and so you're seeing those types of things happen like you know um even grip strength and when people start you know like on you know just for no reason at all start losing like grip strength that's usually a sign of needing you know some sort of recovery
0: yeah that's kind of where i went with it too when i explained to her i said i would judge off of accessories more because we could all push through a max effort lift right But if, if you let's say you know every week you do tape presses with the 50 pound dumbbells and now you're doing 30s yeah because you don't have the energy Maybe this isn't one you want to push through. Maybe that's your body telling you, like, hey, you got nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, someone asked, do you prefer to keep accessories and supplemental movements the same for a wave or change them? And I know that answer. I could answer for you. To, you change them every day.
1: I definitely so. But that's not to say that you couldn't. Um, if you find an accessory for you that you really benefit from, Um, You could do it like two to three weeks in a row, but then you got to switch it out. You got to like change, you know, change it to something else. You know, bring it back in later, but you don't want to go past three weeks in a row.
0: Yeah. Um, Advice for someone's first transition into a suit after just wearing briefs.
1: Um, I I I always have people start in briefs because that'll give you the idea of what a suit will feel like. Like, you know, the only difference in a suit is just more resistance, um, and then having the straps, you know, that are going to you know be a different feeling you know so, um get used to wearing briefs get used to sitting back with a wide stance um perfecting the technique in the briefs and then putting the uh the addition it's just an additional layer once you put the suit on and then getting used to the straps you know the straps are going to make the bar feel weird on your back because you can't really feel the bar like wedged into your back if now it's there's this layer of material there so that kind of getting used to and that's where training partners come and you know come along to help help you set the bar in the right place and and yeah, whatnot yeah. that's only the biggest difference when you throw the suit on over top of that is just more resistance sitting back into the suit and then getting used to the feel of the straps
0: gotcha um advice for young new and beginner female lifters
1: uh but- <laughs> Um, I would say like just to surround yourself with people that are going to support you, which I like what I love about kind of where we are right now in powerlifting is that there is a ton of support. Um, I think any time I can't think of anybody I've ever come across at this point that doesn't live somewhere like whether they have other other female lifters somewhere, at least within driving distance that they can train with. You know, find find the right people to surround yourself with. Um, try to find good training partners um, that are going to, you know, not only support you, but, like, push you and you can push them. Um, and then, you know, if there, if you do find a, a group that has, like, a, you know, a coach there, like, you know, like, like at Hellbent or at our gym, you know, like, someone walking into these gyms is going to be lucky because they're going to have a lot of people with knowledge to help, you know, but that's not always the case. Um, if someone lives in some random town and has to go to like a Crunch Fitness or something like that, yeah, yeah. But that's where like hiring a good coach comes along. You know, um, doing some research to find someone that has experience working with women, particularly, um, and you know, it doesn't have to be only a female. But you know, even if it's a male has experience. Um, training women um even remotely that way that you like even if you i have only have the option to like i said train even in a garage or something like that if you have someone that's supporting you um a coach that is supporting you from afar that's helpful that's very helpful too you know because you're going to be sending videos and you know just knowing that you're going to be the programming that they give you is going to keep you safe
0: so while we're here, while I have you both here, cause I see Hallie is in here. Yeah. I do not want to see her in gear. Not yet.
1: I think was, I think tonight, like for, so she's been at the gym, I think three times. And I literally told her, I'm like, I'm like, I swear to God, there's more people in here besides me, my client, Jason, and then Grace. Cause that's yeah. like, she was coming and that's all that was there. But finally, oh,
0: really?
1: like everybody came in and Leah came in and, yeah. um, Feel like they tried to talk her into something.
0: Um, well, I'll will ke- come out there and fight everyone. <laughs> you better you gotta watch,
1: you gotta tell Leah. Don't tell me Leah. will be trying to get her into breeze. Oh, I
0: know. I'll text her later because I need I need Hallie to come back and smash some records over here first.
1: She like deadlifted like four hundred pounds plus like eighty pounds of chain. I'm like, yeah, she's legit. I know. and She hasn't been doing this very long. It's that's what I mean. Like that's what's crazy is that like had she not. Um, you know she did bodybuilding before and had she not like you know walked into Hellben or whatever like there's all these people walking around out there that have that kind of talent you know that they'll never you know hopefully they we, they will get discovered but you yeah. know we don't even know about
0: that's nuts all right so i think i think we're wrapped up <laughs> i have like random stuff written all over the place all right so how I like to wrap it up is just letting you get open mic for a minute, um, talk about what you got going on, promote your North of the Border. Are you? Oh, is this? Have we announced this um, collab with you and PT thing? With um. Can we with, not discuss yet? Is it announced? Is it official?
1: What do you mean? Was, I don't know.
0: It, I you were doing the thing with Persist Fitness and. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, I I've been coaching Sarah for several years now and over this time she's been like learning and getting all these certifications in mm-hmm. that area like you know with the FRC and the internal strength stuff um, and has just been um, like learning so much and I you know it's finally she's at a point where I'm just like it's time for you to like get this out there you know so mm-hmm. that seminar was incredible like I was literally like we need to do more of these together because they just go hand in hand like not just the fact that she kind of caters like you know her conjugate mobility program towards like what i do with you know laying out the max effort lower and max effort upper um but even people can work with her that you know maybe it's, they don't do conjugate you know yeah. fine but this is what people are, people need to be doing in conjunction with their their powerlifting
0: cuz yeah i'm i'm adding it in i talked to her
1: you know i luckily i got out of powerlifting without an injury but I God, I'm so lucky. Cause I would just walk right in the gym and start working out. I never did like stretching or, you know, and that's not what this is necessarily stretching, but you know, that's what makes it unique. So she's already been helping a lot of people, um, you know, with great success. So I'm just like, I keep just, it's awesome because, you know, as a coach, like you probably see this, like people expect you not only to be a coach, but also an orthopedic doctor um, yeah. therapist. Like, it's like, I don't, do that you know what I mean so it's
0: so
1: how someone like okay this is who you need to go to to get yourself right you know Mm -hmm. um lucky that in powerlifting I had that like I said the gymnastics background you know I had the flexibility and whatnot to not get injured but plenty of people I've seen people I have witnessed more people break their arms blow off quads like all these things in person and it's just like like we don't we don't need to be doing that anymore you know
0: yeah it's funny you said that because the therapist thing. I always say like, I just I I just gave myself the wrong title. Yeah. You know I mean? If if I put the word therapist instead of trainer, oh yeah, I could charge three four hundred dollars an hour.
1: You got to be able to do it all.
0: Yeah, I know exactly. So, um, anything else you'd like to discuss? Anything you want to promote? Anything? Any advice you want to give? Mike is yours, and then we'll get you out of here.
1: Um. Well, I mean, just first and foremost, like everything on the, que- on com. that's where you'll see different seminars that'll be listed, um, links to my YouTube, the team QBP with tons of different, um, accessory movements and things like that. Cause that's what I try to focus on now is like just educating people and giving people tools, you know, to um, cause I think that's what people, I I noticed with like a lot of the seminars, even back in the day with the CrossFit powerlifting was that people want, they, they want ideas for accessories, how to fix weaknesses, stuff like that. So I kind of focus on that. Um, and then like, all, like any information on, on my website about, you know, coaching or links to the subscription are on there. Um, and then. Um, persist fitness training. Um, I think it's persistfitnesstraining.com, or just look her up on Instagram. Is where you can find her links to the um, conjugate mobility subscription. That's some, it's awesome because it's like that's what I want. I want to go in every day and have someone tell me like these are the the, the mobility. This is the mobility you need to do. It,
0: like that's going to benefit your your next lift.
1: Right, exactly, because, like, I mean, I've seen plenty of people post stuff, like, of these cool, like, mobility exercises, like, okay, what do I do with that? Like, where do, when do I do it? How much of it should I do it? How frequently? Or this is every day. These are the exercises with videos um, telling you exactly what to do. So I'm really trying to urge my clients, my athletes, to to do it as well, because I think it helps me, because you will do better.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Um, for sure.
1: So I definitely want to see people focusing more on, on their overall health. You know, everybody's focusing on getting stronger, but um, I just enjoy seeing people like focus on, on their health in general, um, yeah. just longevity. Cause I see a lot of people come in to support and come out really quick. Um, for sure. So, you know, seeing people be able to stay in it longer would be really cool.
0: For sure. All right, Laura, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming. We'll do it again soon. All right. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.